spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. It has not been a slow news week. When you think about what's been going on around us, COVID, the infrastructure and budgetary battle, the aftermath of the Afghanistan withdrawal, and yet earlier in the week I took note of the fact that For a couple of days, one of the most widely read pieces at no less than the Washington Post was about Yusuf, a.k.a. Cat Stevens, written by my guest, Howard Fishman. Howard, thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much. Great to be back. Great to talk to you. Why did you strike such a chord with this? Like, I know... I know why I'm into it, because I love the music and I'll never forget, you know, my brother handing me vinyl for the first time that was a Cat Stevens tea for the Tillerman. But like, why is everybody else as interested in this as you and I are? Well, I think his music has meant a lot to a lot of people. And what got me thinking about it during the pandemic is the fact that he's re-releasing his classic albums now in these uh, very ornate box sets and i got my hands on a couple of them one for uh, the album mona bone jack on and the other for the album t for the tillerman two albums that came out in 1970 i got both boxes during the pandemic and i started to listen to them and i realized not only how good the music is but also how profound an impact they had on me as a young man when i first encountered them and it got me thinking about the relationship I, that I have with his music now, which is a little um, it's, uh, hard to understand in some ways. I got the feeling from you as I was reading the piece, and it's a pretty deep dive, and you did spend time with him, which we'll get to. But I got the feeling that it was as if Howard Fishman was saying, is it okay? Is it okay that I'm so into this music? Which, by the way, I've thought about about a whole host of other artists. I think Roger Waters is probably at the top of that list of mine. Mm -hmm. But is that generally what you were seeking to do? Well, I think it's always complicated when we conflate an artist with the person behind the music. Um, The music of Cat Stevens will always mean a great deal to me, as it sounds like it does to you. Yes. Yes. when the artists that make the art that we love do things in their private lives that we find confusing, it can sometimes confuse our relationship to the art. And I think that's what I was thinking about when I wrote the article. It sounds like you've had 
some of the same thoughts. Oh, no doubt. And just so my cards are on the table, I wrote a critical column of him years ago for either the Philadelphia Inquirer or the Philadelphia Daily News at a time when he was complaining about having been on a no watch list. And and, and then, I, you know, I guess maybe a bit of hypocrisy. I never thought that I'd have the opportunity to see him. And when he then toured, and I had the chance to see him at the legendary Tower Theater, you know, think Bowie Live. That's where it was recorded. Now I had a dilemma on my hands. Like, am I going to say I'm not going because maybe he was for a fatwa against Salman Rushdie? Or am I going to hear him sing Peace Train and where are the children? where will the children play? And I went to the concert. And what was your experience then? Oh, man, I had a woman sitting in the row behind me. <laughs> who screamed the whole show, which kind of distracting. Um, no, I'm being serious. But beyond that, I was just entranced by the music, totally entranced yeah. by the music. And I, I had gone onto the website, as you have done, and I had seen the Q&A where they said essentially, well, he never said that. And by the way, what are we talking about? This is too much inside baseball. Right. Well, uh, there's some confusion uh, as to what exactly he said when and what he meant. Um, what you and I have both seen is a television program from 1989, uh, a British TV show called Hypotheticals, in which he's asked point blank, does Salman Rushdie deserve to die? And what we're talking about here, the inside baseball, is uh, a fatwa that was placed on the head of the author Salman Rushdie for writing the satanic verses uh, and for committing the, cl the crime of blasphemy in the eyes of the Ayatollah Khomeini. Um, so on that show, the footage is there to be seen. I mean, you can, you can call it up on YouTube. He's asked, does Salman Rushdie deserve to die? And he sa the, the response that he gives is yes. Um, he has since categorized uh, that appearance as being misleading and cut in the editing room in a way to make him seem as though he is answering a question that may maybe it's a, the answer to a different question. I mean, it's unclear. He also said it was an attempted at humor, right? Well, yes. He's, he's subsequently asked if you were to, uh, if there were a demonstration in which an, an effigy of Salman Rushdie were being burned, would you attend it? And he his reply is, I would like to think it would be the real thing. Hmm. And then what he has subsequently said is, I was kidding. Okay, and so you, Howard Fishman, then essentially go in search of Yusuf, Cat Stevens, because you want to hash this out with him. What happened? Well, that's not entirely true. Um, I was ready to take those things on face value, and, and his explanations were that whole uh, controversy was really not part of the piece that I was writing, which was really about my connection to his music and also about what happens when the relationship between an artist and their audience breaks down as it had between him and his audience. I mean, it wasn't just me and you. There were a lot of people who were upset by this controversy. So what I wanted to talk to him about was not the Rushdie thing specifically, but the fact that he has a very complicated relationship to his audience and how he feels about that today. Unfortunately, there were time constraints placed on the interview, and we didn't get too deep into that subject, deep enough so that it, you know, I really felt like I had what I needed to write the piece I was writing. So I asked for a second interview, uh, and 
there were um, there seemed to be uh, openness to uh, a second interview from his team, but uh, some time passed, some months passed, uh, in, during which they said that they would do it, but he was very busy, et cetera, et cetera. And during that time, I was doing more research. I was talking to more people. And as I did, it seemed clear to me that basically every conversation I was having, the Rushdie thing was coming up. And people wanted to know, well, what, what really happened and what does he really think and why is this still a controversy? And at that point, during editorial conversations at The Post, it sort of became clear, okay, we can't skirt this issue. We have to at least... It doesn't have to be the focus of the piece, certainly, but it needs to be addressed. And so I then went back and said, hey, you know, as it turns out, I would actually like to bring this up with him. And at that point, I was told that he wasn't available. So where does it leave you? Where does it leave me? Well, I'm still very interested in him as an artist. Um, And I am confused and would like to know more about where he stands, um, given these various things that we've talked about. But I think we can't, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. Um, Nor am I. We can't, yeah, yeah, we we can't throw out artists just because they have uh, viewpoints that we are confused by, because there would be nobody left in the history of of art and music. (laughs) It's true. You know, Um, so... I can separate the two. I love the music of Cat Stevens, and I'm confused by some of the things that he has said in his uh, you know what? public and private Me life. Me too. The way you, I, I endorse what you just said. Um, I want to ask this. How about Sal Bass, a.k.a. Salman Rushdie? What does he say? Well, his, uh, his statements, you know, have been pretty clear. When I contacted him... Um, uh, his response to me, which I quoted in the article, was Cat Stevens got off the peace train a long time ago. Um, his comments are on the record. He was an enthusiastic supporter of the fatwa. And um, uh, that's it's, it's all there. He holds he, he still uh, holds him accountable. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. So did you go see I mean, it was two tours, as I recall. Did you go see him? And would you if you had the chance, if not? I did go see him, I think, on the tour that you saw, and I believe that's when you and I spoke for the first time yeah. because I wrote about that experience for The New Yorker. That's right. And that's it right. was a very uplifting experience uh, hearing him play that music again, music that he had at one point completely disavowed and said um, to his record company that he wanted them to stop selling his records because it was his understanding that music was seen as frivolous in the faith that he had found within Islam and uh, he wanted nothing to do with that music. Um, So to hear him uh, perform those songs again was cathartic for me because they meant so much. Uh, Would I go see him again now? Uh, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Well, call call me if he comes back, would you? We'll go, we'll go together. We'll go together. Just, just for, for two hours, we'll just sort of enjoy the music and not get caught up in whatever the mystery might be about him. Howard, that was excellent. I'm, I was so glad you wrote the piece. And I just, there was something very cool about the fact that many, many, many people wanted to read what you were writing about in this case. So thanks for that. 
Thank you for taking an interest, and thank you for having me on to talk about him again. And maybe there will be yet another conversation. I hope so. You know, in the future. I hope so. Thanks, Howard. Thank you. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.